This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Chelsea supporters here at the Blue Day podcast I am delighted to introduce this guest on the show today he made 18 appearances for the club scoring three 21 scoring three goals this is going to be a fun one folks plus he played with the likes of Dennis Wise Kevin Hitchcock and Steve Clark here is Joe Allen Joe welcome to the show how are you I am my friend I am I'm all good um, you know, we've, we've been good, we've been bad, but at the end of the day, playing for that fantastic football club um, was one of the best achievements that I ever made in my me, me career. And uh, the day I got told I was signing for Chelsea, um, Don Howe was uh, number two at the time with Ian Porterfield. And he went, oh, you signed for Chelsea? And I went, yeah. He says, get a plane. Newcastle Airport, I paid for the ticket. The chairman, Mr. Ken Bates, one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And he went, I'll give you three hours. Get your backside down here. Uh, you signed for Chelsea. And that was like one of the best things. I think I scored, I think, 30, 35 in that season uh, playing at Hartlepool after I'd left uh, Newcastle. And he went, get your backside on the plane. I'll pick you up at the airport. So when I got to Heathrow, um, Newcastle flight was 45 minutes. And he was there in his Rolls Royce. And I went, hmm. He went, phone your dad. And, and I rang my father. And he went, are you all right, son? I went, Dad, yeah, Frank, 
I says, I'm, I'm great. He went, well, are you okay? I went, I says, tell me mother to buy that carpet in the new city for the house because we've just won the pools. I've just signed for Chelsea Football Club. And he went, great. Proud of you, son. Fantastic. What a story. This is going to be a very interesting one, folks. If you've not heard of Joe Allen, you will by the end of this interview. I guarantee you that. Joe, before we sort of discuss about your time at the Chelsea, we'll talk about the early part of your footballing journey. And talk about your influences on you know who or what for you to become a, a professional footballer and who were your idols growing up as a kid. So um, I went to my careers officer. I was uh, 14 years of age and the careers officer said, um, what do you want to do when you, you get older? What, what uh, job do you want, you know, uh, vocation? What vocation? And I went, well, I want to be a pitman like my father. My father was one of 40. He worked on the pit when he was 15 years of age. And he lost his father when he was three. And I just went, I want to be like him. I want to follow him. And on my careers form, my father put, over my dead body, will you go down that hellhole, the mine that we got brought up on? And I went, well... And then the careers officer said, well, your dad says you can't go down the pit after after the You can't go down the pit. Your father says no. And I went, well, he went, well what are you going to do? I said, I'll be a professional footballer. And he went, Mr. Ferguson turned round, bless him. Uh, God rest his soul. He, he turned round, he went, one in a million from this area became a professional footballer. And I said, well, I'll be that one in the million. And I did when I made my debut for Newcastle United as a 17-year-old playing the number nine shirt at St. James's Park, which is one of my greatest achievements. Fast forward a little bit to the summer of 91 when you, you already discussed about your move to Chelsea. But how did the initial contact come about? Was Did you hear anything through... Hartlepool at the time because Chelsea paid, from what I can gather, between two hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand for you. Keep keep it down that bit. Uh, it was five hundred grand, but didn't worry about it because uh, uh, it managed to pay for the house for a few years. Well, that was the official bid. Yeah. So and, and any extras, that's fine. But yeah. how how did the initial move come about um, for you? I I think uh, the people at Chelsea had watched us when I was playing for Hartlepool because I was like boy wonder at Newcastle with the likes of Gascoigne, Beasley and Waddle, like a young player coming through from the streets, from Council Estate and Gated and Washington, where I live. Um, And it it was a case of uh, I got one phone call from Mr Donau and he went, all right, get on the plane now. They'd watched us, I think, about 30 times, and I'd scored 35 in 46 games. And you had a prolific season that season, didn't you? Well, it was, it was the fact, that the, the, the best thing about it was, it was the season before when we were second bottom, and I, I'd signed on loan from Swansea. I loved Swansea. They were great. But when I went to Hartlepool, 
you couldn't get any worse than being second bottom apart from being bottom. <laughs> and the manager said, uh, don't worry. He says, we've got beat 6-0, uh, 6-1 and 8-1 in the first three games when I was on loan. He says, don't worry. He says, in, in six months' time, he says, you'll be the best player in this division and I'll get you a move to a top-flight club. And I just said, gaffer, Mr. Bob Moncur, a legend at Newcastle, I said, where are you getting your drugs from? I It's just like, and he went, trust us, you'll do okay. And then I got me moved to Chelsea, but the people and the lovely family of Hartlepool, without them, I wouldn't have gotten there. Ian Porterfield was the manager at the time. What was he like to you as a coach and as a man? Well, he just turned around us and he went, you're signing for, son, uh, you're signing for he was obviously 1973 FA Cup winner, a legend, scored the winner in the FA Cup final against Leeds United. And he went, you come to sign for Chelsea? And I went, <laughs> I went, all right, great. But then the guru was the chairman who one of the, closest friends I've ever had we lived about uh, two streets away I mean his street was a lot longer than what my street was I lived in a two-bedroom semi-detached and he lived on a farm and Mr Ken Bates was uh, one of the loveliest best places and he went the day that I I signed for Chelsea he went get your get your dad and your mother on the phone now get him now and I went Gaffer, I said, we've only got a like a house phone. He went, just tell him you've won the pools. And he gave me, he said, what do you want? I went, Gaffer, I'm, Jesus Christ, oh, I'm on 400 quid a week at, at Hartlepool. He says, just give us what you, he went, you're the only player that's ever said that to me. So let's start off by being like this. And I went, okay. You got to give me a £75,000 to sign. I went 75 grand. My mum and dad's house cost eight grand. <laughs> and it was like the best opportunity. And he went, you'll never let me down because what you are, you're, you're northern. You're obviously, because he was from Wigan, believe it or not. He around that area, but it was Ken Bates. And he was absolute legend. And he just said, you'll never let me down. When I scored on my debut for Chelsea, um, he was the first one to come into the dressing room. And he grabbed us. And he went, that's why I bought you. It was fantastic. Do you remember your first day at training? So well, after you've signed and once all the paperwork's gone through, you meet up with, you, with your new teammates. Do you have any stories of that particular time? So when I got the, I got told of uh, Gwyn Williams, who was a fantastic person, still is. Um, and Gwyn said, you've got a plane ticket from Newcastle Airport going to Heathrow. He says, it's six o'clock the flight. He went, make sure you're on it. Went down, I didn't even have my own football boots, and I played in a practice game where Jukebox Jury, uh, Kerry Dixon, and Dennis, and I scored six 
in uh, like a, a small sided game by that afternoon I'd signed for Chelsea Football Club it was uh, an emotional thing at the Hollington um, ah god it was right near the airport so right, yeah. yes. so I, I got there and I'm like mm. I didn't even have my own boots oh god I was that poor I was looking honestly I was looking for the the bishop or the, the priest that they used to have at Chelsea all the time he blessed us and I got blessed because that afternoon I signed for the Chelsea Football Club which obviously I'm Newcastle and I love Newcastle and I'll always love Newcastle but Chelsea Football Club were fantastic for me you know now you made your debut for Chelsea against Wimbledon at Stamford Bridge for which you scored the equalising goal firstly when did you know you'd be in the team and how did it feel for you when you scored on your debut and do you you remember it well It's it's a brilliant question because I played I'd signed for the club uh, like on trial sort of thing and I scored a couple of goals against Farnborough which was in a, a reserve fixture. Mm-hmm. And uh, the manager said, uh, be careful what you're doing. And back in them days, there was two subs on the bench. And I was number 14. And he went, you're playing, you're like involved. And I went, mm, all right, good stuff. And when when he put us on, uh, Mr. Porterfield and Don Howe, um, you just went enjoy yourself and I scored and it was like a dream come true and I think they're still chasing us down the Fulham Road because after the go- after the goal and apparently everybody said I handballed it but I, I definitely did <laughs> and uh, they, ran, they ran down the Fulham Road and uh, it was like the most amazing football club uh, Chelsea football club unbelievable because Stamford Bridge back then is completely different to what it is now. But in terms of when you was playing, what was the atmosphere like? And you know, with you getting a couple of goals early in your time at Chelsea, that must have given you a nice rapport with the supporters. So round the corner from the Stamford Bridge, there was a, a social club. And the lads took us into the social club. And that scored on my debut. Uh, basically it was a dream come true but I'm in the social club which is my network the way I was brought up and I'm sitting in the social club and I'm thinking god I might just pull here there was birds everywhere and I was like wow Jesus not too bad for an ugly boy from Gated but the best thing about uh, the people at the bridge um, was that they were fervently passionate and helpful in any way they were fantastic to to me and giving us like blessings you know i'm 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 a catholic boy but at the end of the day you can't understand the passion and the love that i got from them people and the crowd and if you've scored in front of the shed it's pretty much like nearly like st james's park but just nearly but I'll, obviously, I'll be forever grateful to have scored 
at St James's Park and also scored at Stamford Bridge. You know, because you also scored against Notts County earlier on in your time at Chelsea. But the team itself was stuttering; they weren't getting results to climb them up the league. Was you surprised with Chelsea's start to that season? Well, the fact is, it was only an overhead kick, uh, and everybody thought I was like. You know, like Red Rum, which is murder, the great horse. Um, but I scored an overhead kick against Notts County. And um, I think it was uh, one second goal I, I think I scored in two or three games, you know. And um, obviously my first one was a fluke, but the overhead kick wasn't. And they're still saying now about how the hell... Well, I must have been good because I put me back out for about three weeks. And it was, oh, God. Jesus. It was, no, nah, it was fantastic, uh, fantastic time. I just remember Vinny coming up and partners on there. Um, when he signed, he signed for the club after the Nuts County game. He went, I saw your goal. You were on the St. Greavesy, or on the ball, whatever it was called. I think it was the same, the St. Greavesy went, I just saw you overhead kick. He says, I said, well, I don't know how I've done it, but I put me back out. You mentioned Vinnie Jones. You ended up having a good friendship with him on and off the pitch while at Chelsea and even to this day. What was he like as a footballer for you and as a friend off the pitch? He was a hero, a hero for me. Um, we went through lots of things together. Um it's it, it's the one where uh, like uh, you know meeting his missus Tanya God rest her soul and together we <laughs> we were good we were bad but we we're always box office <laughs> we could fight the crack of dawn I swear to you not a problem and he was like a, a fantastic um, you say people. Think Vinnie Jones, ah, he's this, he's that, and he's other, he's hard case, lock, stock, and too smart. He used to make me eat properly. We always had the best clothes. We always were together and never had one bad word. Not one bad word. That was Vincent Peter Jones. Legend. Was you surprised in your early time at Chelsea that you weren't starting games? With them, as you say, you, you know you've come in with a big price tag. The chairman obviously likes you, but you weren't starting games. Well, was you surprised at this point? Was you having conversations with Ian about your lack of starts for Chelsea? I was, I was very disappointed because at the end of the day, I thought at my age, then I think I was twenty-four, something like that, and I'd, I'd done my apprenticeship as being a kid at, at Newcastle, and I'd played with. Like I say, that the likes of Beardsley, Peter Beardsley, Paul Gascoigne, Chris Waddle, you know, I was blessed. And the gaffer, Jack Charlton, was probably the biggest influence I ever had in my career because he gave me the start in the number nine shirt, which people can only dream about from my area. To score and play for Newcastle United and listening to him Saint Riz, you did all right today. It was great. You like that? Right, you're gonna get a game. 
You're going to play. You're playing for us, the big team. And he was just such a, a very... God, I mean, I love my father as everybody does. But when he gave me the number nine shirt to play for Newcastle United, that's in James's Park. If I'd finished after one minute, all my dreams came true the day that I put the number nine shirt on and scored for Newcastle United at St. James' Park. Fantastic. One game I did want to bring up with you, Joe, was a League Cup tie against Tranmere. You was brought on to, I'm assuming, to obviously win the match to try and get the goal needed. But due to a sending off, you would then get subbed. What was going through your mind at that point? Well, I whacked the centre-half. And I can remember him, he was a good player, but I got 14 stitches in the back of my head. He, he nutted at us, but it wasn't the Tranmere centre-half. It was actually Paul Elliott, who went up in Jamaica, was like the best centre-half I probably ever played with. Paul Elliott was unreal. We call him Jamaica, because that's where he's from. No disrespect. But he went up for the high ball and whacked us on the back of my head. And I got 14 stitches. Then I come on, the, the stitches at half time. And I ran back on, but I was playing for them then. I was playing for Tranmere. They were going, you, you playing that way? And I went, concussion. I was in uh, I was in Alder, Alder near hospital um, where Wayne Rooney um, Aldenia, something like that. Um, I was in there for two and a half years. And Chelsea were the best as regarding my care, looking after us, top professional people. And But I had 14 stitches on the back. I mean, not why people think that's a ball spot, but it's not. It was a good spot because apparently I'd scored. I, I, I thought I did anyway. <laughs> Because it was Damien Matthews who got sent off and we would then lose 3-1 in, in the League Second, Cup. Yeah. Second game, no. It was two, two legs, was it? Two legs? Yes, it was, yes. Yeah, the first leg was at Stamford Bridge where we drew 1-1. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the return tie at Tranmere. Prenton Park, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then we'd, we'd go... Demo, what I, I'll tell you what. Talk about underrated players and now like... Dennis was obviously one of me me best friends in the world, but a, a heck of a player. What a player, the rat, right? It, it, he was like, he was so good, you know, diminutive. And then I've got him, I've got Vinnie Jones, I've got Townsend, and I've got Kerry Dixon. Then we had to buy a thug or two, Mick Harford. Jesus. Mick Harford, what a player. Hard as goat's knees. I swear to you, I've never seen anything like him in my life. We played against uh, Sheffield United. And um, there, was a, there was a guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but um, it was called Brian Gill. Anyway, and he, and he whacked Mick off the ball because that was what happened in the days when I played. And I'm coming on a sub for Mick Harford and he went yo he's North East lad mm. he went 
Go. Get his number. Get his name. So I did, and he was called Brian Gill. We played on January, one of the first weeks in January after New Year, and um, I'm looking, and Dennis scored after about a minute. Why is he scored after a minute? Hell of a goal, Bramall Lane. What, what a goal! I'm bouncing about everywhere, jumping on the backs. All of a sudden, there's like a little bit of a kerfuffle, and. In the middle of the pitch, Brian Gill was knocked out flat. And Mick Hawford turned around and just went, I told you I'd get him. <laughs> so when we celebrating, <laughs> he's just smashed him. Nah, but that's them were the old days, they were good days, you know. <laughs> you won't get away with that now, not with VAR around, but... Yeah. I can't, I can't get away with radar in my veil. A couple of months later, you would then go out on loan to Port Vale. What was the thinking behind this move? Was this your, your decision or was it the club's decision? Well, I was I was on a quite a few quid, and, and but I wasn't getting a start because there was like two box jury, Gordon um, went to Tottenham, and obviously. There was there was players coming in, uh, lots of centre forwards, Cascarino and uh, Kev Wilson, great great players, great lads. But Kerry was there as well, the ledge, the wig, he was there. Um, and basically, I wasn't getting. I mean, I, I scored four against Portsmouth in the reserves at Fratton Park for the reserve team, playing with the Damian Matthews, the the Rodders, David Lee. Uh, Gareth Hall, um, brilliant, young, fantastic players. And I scored four. I'm thinking, well, if I score four and I'm not getting a game, maybe I've got to move on, you know. I've got to take a step back to go forward again. And I love Chelsea Football Club, don't get us wrong. But I had to go to to Port Vale and there was was one guy that uh, his mum... And his dad went to every game, and I went on loan at first, and it was Robbie Williams. And Robert was, uh, well, he's just a fantastic person, great entertainer. But, you know, he, he said, take that. So I had a fight with somebody in the tunnel, and he went, well, take that, you bastard. Anyway, uh, I pushed him down the stairs, and Port Vale was like, so steep stairs and I just and I went pushes pushes so as I pushed him I fucking pushed him and he went rattling down the stairs and I just thought you know well, you can take the lad out of gates but you can't take gates out of the lad you know interesting loan move then fast forward to the summer of 92 which would be the inaugural Premier League season yeah. you return to the club from your loan spell did you have conversations with Ian during that summer period about your feelings on the situation and about your future at Chelsea? I understand exactly what you're saying, and um, the gaffer, Mr. Portfield, was a legend. But me, me, person that I had at the football club was Don Howe. Right. Uh, Don Howe been at Arsenal for half his life, West Brom before that. He's all right, 
log stuff, you know, yum yum. But the fact about Don was, he used to pick me up from when I lived with Vinny for such a long time. He used to pick us up from the door and he, he used to educate us. And he'd played with like Sir Bobby Robson at Newcastle United. He played from West Bromwich Albion. And they'd brought, they were brought up together and he went, you're all right, you. You're all right. It was like Alveda's in pet. I couldn't believe it. I was in the car room listening to him. He went, well, you know, <coughs> I thought you did all right. All right, actually. And I was like, oh, it's done. And he was just a proper gentleman, but a top professional. He was unbelievable. He used to have a pen down the bottom of his sock with names on. And I used to think, I hope I'm on that, I hope I'm on that list. And it was the team that he, he wanted to progress and, and put us in the first 11, which like, he went, you're all right. You're playing tomorrow. <sighs> yeah. Well, Chelsea Football Club will always be uh, ever so special in, in my life. After a handful of appearances that season, including a 3-3 draw with Sheffield Wednesday, which I would believe was the game where Graham Stewart scored that unbelievable solo goal. Do you remember the about that game? Because I believe we were 3-1 down or something along them lines, and then we'd go on to the comeback, which you know, uh, meant Bobby, Graham came Bobby on. Picked, Bobby picked the ball up. Bobby Stewart, right, Graham, loved, one of the loveliest lads ever, right? I've been blessed with, with Beasley's, the Waddles, and obviously the Gascoigne, who was the best player I've ever played with. But Bobby Stewart picked the ball up on the penalty area in our yeah. half, and then he ran, and I'm shouting, pass the, pass the freaking barterers! And he went, that way, that way. He danced. He should have been on Strictly Come Dancing, to be fair. <laughs> and he scored probably the the best individual goal. Like, I, I was just watching him going, Christ, I've been blessed playing with the players I've played with. Graham Stewart, what an absolute player. Top goal. Fantastic. Probably one of the best goals I've ever seen and he never got the credit for it because back in the day I think the telly wasn't showing the goals but I saw it live I saw him actually waltz around like if he was on Strictly Come Dancing now he's probably going to 10 of what's his name Len in fact we was we was 2-0 down in that game Vinnie Jones scored our first goal Graham scored the equaliser and then Newton scored our third, but it still uh, finished up 3-3. But incredible games in the August of 92. In November, you would then leave Chelsea permanently to join Brentford. Was this move a combination of the fact of the lack of starts? What was said to you? Did you speak to Ken Bates about this move as well? Because obviously he was one that was excited for you to come to Chelsea and what were your thoughts on the situation? He said as you move him to Brentford I went right I said I've got a year and a half left on my contract he went no 
he actually signed in for Brentford, your record signing. I went, Gaffer, I went, I've got to get, he went, I'll give you all the money. Don't worry about it. And when I went to Brentford, it was such a inspirational move because um, we had some great lads there. But I think I scored uh, about six in the first eight games or something like that, you know. I scored four in one game against Derby County and we only drew. And they had Marco Gabbiadini and Paul Kitson and the centre-half called Short. It was a good big unit, but we scored at Griffin Park and I loved to play for Brentford. The only reason that I didn't like them was because they played in red and white and I'm black and white, but... <laughs> The Hummel strip was exactly the same copy when I've got to tell you now. And I'm so proud for my father and my brothers, my son and supporters. And I was the black and white sheep in the family because I love Newcastle United, you know. And, you, like, remember them days and the Hummel kit. And I swear to you, I had some fantastic nights there at Brentford, the uh, Italian... We used to play in the Anglo-Italian Cup and uh, I was getting spat at. I was getting knocked off the ball. I was getting elbowed in the face. I'd broke my jaw a couple of weeks beforehand. I got whacked in training. You know, just when, when injuries happen. And I played and I scored a hat-trick and we drew 4-4. I went, okay, now, any chance of getting any defenders? <laughs> Jesus. But uh, brilliant times for me there and um, very proud to have been like the record signing and Phil Holder bought us um, just before Stevie Perryman. Phil Holder bought us and uh, I had Chris Hewton, which probably so influential uh, to try and calm me down. You know, Chrissy, Huggy was legend. Simple as that, you know. Now, there was a rumour that I heard through a few people um, that one of the factors that led to your inconsistent form and the fact that you weren't starting so many games for Chelsea was because of your good relationship with one Vincent Jones, who we've mentioned once or twice today, especially off the pitch, with pranks or other uh, factors is this accurate or complete bs no to be honest um me and me and him were like he was like i say one of the most influential people in my life um you know he he played for wimbledon in the fa cup final in 88 and uh he was magnificent and he he played against steve mcmahon liverpool midfield player and Vinnie Jones won the FA Cup for Wimbledon that day because when he hit him, he had a cut on his eye, but he whacked McMahon. McMahon was probably the best England midfielder at the time. And Vinnie went out and he did him, smashed him. And the other thing about it, I've never had one bad word with Vincent Peter Jones. He was like a father to us. Um... The best thing about him was, he said, we're being good, we're being bad, but we're always being box office. 
Now, I want to talk about current matters, and one in particular that I've got a few people debating whether or not it's a good thing for football or a bad thing for football. So, Joe, just want to sort of get your thoughts on VAR. What's your opinion on it? Well, I, I just think, to, to be perfectly honest, that the, the technology that they're doing is far too much. When we played and I was brought up, I mean, God, I'm 42 now. I mean, stop laughing. But uh, we had one person in charge, and that was the referee. Now, if he made a mistake, it was down to him making a mistake. But when he was right, we always had respect for the referee. So the one person that controlled it with the, the line linesman, we call, I call it linesman, they call them all sorts of these days. Yeah, yeah. But when he, he was in charge, the one that was in the middle, we had so much respect for the referee. And I think football these days, you know, um, I think it gets complicated, you know. You give one man the job, he's got the whistle. We take a, take a leaf out of the, the rugby players and how brilliant it is, the, the rugby ladies and the rugby lads that have, have done so well for the country. And you listen to the referee. Some of them are ladies that's refereeing, yet everybody on that pitch, they'll always give the respect to the ref. I think that's a good thing. Now, we have to talk about it because it's something that I bring it up on all our interviews. Probably not the good um, time to do it, bearing in mind the date of this interview. But, Joe, thoughts on current Chelsea so far? Not looking good at the moment. Had a, had a few defeats. The performances have been dire. We've had a change of manager as well this season. New ownership as well within this year alone. What's your thoughts on this current day, Chelsea? Chelsea Football Club will always be in the top three in the, the country, our country. Chelsea Football Club, like, obviously, I love Newcastle more than anything, but Chelsea Football Club will always be up there because the difference between other clubs, Chelsea's got class. Jesus Christ, they bought me. They must be good. I mean, you can you know, imagine... When I'm I'm getting from the me 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 blessed club Hartlepool United, right, which I'll never forget, and the love that I've got for Hartlepool. I mean, there's not many you can say that they named the street after you, is there? And Hartlepool United, they blessed me by naming the street after us, uh, Joe Allen Close, and I was close actually. But I just wish that my mother had been alive to see the fact that they honoured me by naming the street after us. And that makes me humble. And I love Hollypool, and I always will do, you know. What do you make of Graham Potter as the current Chelsea manager? Do you think he's out of his depth, which some people believe, or do you think he should be given the time, at least maybe another six to 12 months at least, to try and sort this mess out? Well, I mean, I never played against him because he was obviously a lot older than me. Um, but at the end of the day, he did a hell of a job at Brighton. 
and uh, I think he's got massive potential. But I would, I would have given it to probably Gustavo Poyet or Dennis Wise, because or Franco, because they were very very important um, people for Chelsea Football Club, you know. Um, and the, the fact that I was at Leeds United with Dennis and Gustavo, Gustavo so immaculate, everything he did was integral to the football club. We were 15 points behind and then we won the first six games and all of a sudden with Dennis and Gus, Gus and, and the rat, right? I'm not being funny, he was class as well, so good. But we had the chairman, we had Ken Bates, and he got us all together. And I was blessed. To, I mean, Leeds United, I mean, I'm not being funny. I'll never forgive them when Sunderland beat them in the FA Cup final. So that was a, it was a one of them. But at the end of the day, I'm the, this fantastic football club, fantastic football club. But I was with the rat, Dennis, and Gustavo. And it was fantastic. Just finally, Joe, how do you look back on your time at Chelsea? Well, I've been good and I've been bad, but I've always been box office. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> I've done more like than I ever thought in in my life because I was blessed to put the Newcastle number nine shirt on and Chelsea and Brentford and Port Vale and all them rest of the clubs I can't remember. Well, I was very loyal. That's why I had nine clubs, I think. Uh, but the, the difference is that I would have paid to play football. They paid me. And the supporters, the people that come, they're the most important things. The people that come to watch games, the ones that pay their money, hard-earned cash, to watch their team, whoever have it, like I said, lots of clubs, but... They paid to watch the match. That's the real, That's the the winner. The real winner is the supporter. Without the supporters, you haven't got a football club. You know, the supporters are the best. That's that's it. Well, Joe, it's taken a long time to interview you. We've all been obviously we did different locations in this country, but it's been an absolute pleasure to not only meet you but to talk to you on all things football all the all the best and hopefully we'll see you down the road real soon you're a diamond you're a gentleman and you're a scholar but you also will always be my friend so i appreciate that top man thank you very much sports social podcast network